If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to take them at this time and turn with me to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. We are in verses 10 through 12. How many of you, this has been a helpful to go through these texts and realize the extremes on both the legalistic and the free, extreme freedom of Christians? The Bible says it doesn't stop with all that. It gets into more depth and, frankly, uh, conviction, I think, would be a good term because all of us judge others in certain ways. We all have a tendency to judge. And the Bible says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we all stand before the judgment seat of God. Say, well, that's eschatology. Yep, (laughs) it is. This is the Bema seat. We'll talk about it in just a little bit. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Every tongue shall give praise to God. So then, each one of us will give an account of himself to God. So, the title of this message, easily, easily, who made you judge? Right? I mean, that's exactly, that hits the nail on all this, all the points here. Who made you judge? Paul draws the implication from the lordship of Christ. This whole passage is Christ is Lord. He is king. Christ is judge. And it's very interesting as we look at this text, and we'll see this as we go, and we're going to actually do an excursus, and most of this message will deal with the judgment seat of Christ, and what that looks like, what that is. The issue, I'm not going to get into the issue, but we don't have all the facts for sure. We can just do the best we can with what we know, right? Uh, The timing of it is somewhat, I'm not sure when. Um, Some people would say, yes, it's in the rapture, or after the rapture, before the kingdom. Some would say, no, it's at the end, after the kingdom, Irregardless, there's a beam of seat of Christ. There's a judgment going to happen. And uh, we'll talk about that. But it's all about the Lordship of Christ. And it's interesting, if you read this, if you read it very circumspectly, if you read it very directly, very introspectly, and say, okay, what is this talking about? If you'll see, Christ and God are interchanged throughout the whole passage. Imagine that. This is God that's going to judge. Yes, it's Christ that's going to judge. No, I said God. Yes, I said Christ. Right? It is Christ that will judge. Jesus Christ is God. He is God. And all this is is dealing with the Lordship of Christ. And the Lordship of Christ came to us, and and we recognize it, and we will worship and praise Him because of His death, burial, and resurrection. Only then has He become Lord of both the dead and the living, which we dealt with last week. So this is the Lordship of Christ that we're talking about. And in this text, the fullest sense of a fellow believer, one who belongs all together to the same Lord, is what we're talking about. Since Christ is Lord and Judge, it is totally inappropriate for believers to judge or or despise other believers. Now, problem is, there's not a single one person here, including myself, that doesn't judge other believers. Why is that? It's because of these extreme problems that all of us have. Whether legalism or free reign to do anything we want to to please the flesh, 
Both are wrong, and both are impacting our lives every day. Every day. We tend to judge people. We look at certain people, and we look at, whoa. I guess there's a meme out there with a um, Harley Davidson biker sitting on the, in the waiting room or something, sitting on a chair with his Bible, and he's reading it. And these guys with two suits come in, and it's two suits, and I don't know why that is, but you know, there might be something there. But anyway, <laughs> the guys with suits come in and say, hey, what are you doing? You're not a Christian. You don't look like a Christian. Look at us. You see, we wrongly judge all the time. All the time. We, to give a little bit perspective, Husbands and wives judge each other thinking we know what they think. Amen? Yeah, it happens. No, you don't know what I'm thinking. Yes, I do know what you're thinking. No, you don't. Why did you say that? I think I know why you said that. Why did you say that? You've heard these arguments all over in the houses. And it usually ends up as, yes, dear, or I'm sorry, I misjudged you, right? But we do that. We do it all the time. You see, MacArthur states it this way. He says, it is a terrible thing for men to play God. Ooh, that gets right to the heart of this text. It is particularly inexcusable for God's own people to intimate, to intimate that presumption by judging and despising each other. Why do you do what you do? Well, everybody else knows why you do what you do, right? Or do they? We have got to be careful not to judge. The work of Christians is to serve the Lord, not to usurp His Lordship. Did everybody understand that? This, all these are absolute focuses of the text. We are to serve, not usurp the Lord. And when we judge, we're usurping Him. Our concern, rather, should be judging ourselves by the Lord. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. Isn't that not exactly what the verse is saying? Horace says it this way. Twice in this verse, Paul uses an emphatic you. You then, why? And you then, why? First, the weak who is inclined to condemn the strong for doing the weak consider sinful. Then of the strong who is tempted to despise the weak, the meat eater and the vegetarian, the day keeper and the non-day keeper, all alike are subject to the one Lord who will in due course sit in judgment of all of them. But it's the Lord that will sit in judgment, not us. Any judgments that they may pass us, anyways, any judgment we may pass are irrelevant. They're totally irrelevant. And in light of, of this text, they all, they should not presume to anticipate the divine judgment. Well, we do not replace God in His judgment. If the Lord has ordained among us a society of brothers, Equality must be observed. Is that not true? I'm thinking of, if we look back at the Great Awakening, which we've been talking about in our CE hour, Jonathan Edwards was a preacher that <clears throat> literally thousands of people came to know the Lord by his preaching. And by the way, it wasn't his style of preaching. It was the texts of the Word, Amen. He became very popular. Very many, many people loved him and, 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 and held him up in esteem. 
If you knew Jonathan Edwards, man, you, you were like the in dog, right? If you were friends with him, you were like the, oh man, you are almost, you're this close to God. Well, here's the reality. One Sunday morning in his church, the whole town came in as they were by law had to. They came in, they sat down. He said, we are observing the Lord's Supper today, but only the ones who have been converted may partake of the Lord's Supper today. Here's the problem. The whole town was there. Many, or if not most of them, were unconverted. But they were prestigious people who were part of the elite group. How dare you tell me I cannot take the Lord's Supper? Which, by the way, to some of them probably was a means of grace. I can't say that dogmatically, but probably. You know what they did to the, who is considered the greatest theologian in America? Do you know what they did to him? They fired him. They fired him. Do you know what he did? Well, I had the largest church in this whole area, so I, I, I guess God wants a bigger church for me. No. Oh, I make a lot of money because the church and state are the same, and I, 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 I get paid for that stuff. I, no. I must go to a more financially secure place. No. He went to the Native Americans and preached. The greatest theologian in American history. That's what he did. He wasn't a judge of a person. He was a lover of God. He was a lover of his people and the gospel. Calvin says, anyone therefore who assumes the part of a judge is behaving insolently. It is not a miracle, a brother in Christ who is being judged or despised. The verdict that matters is God's, not ours. God, give, give an account. We give an account. <clears throat> the term, I'm sorry, give an account is an expression often used for the keeping of financial records. A reminder of the judgment we all face is a fitting conclusion to the, in this stage of the discussion. You're going to look at people, if you're a legalist, you're going to look at people who, who maybe drink and play cards and, and dance and do all those things, and you're going to look at them and say, well, you're just kind of a Christian. You're really not a Christian. And look down their snooty noses at them. They are your brother in Christ. And they could turn around and say the same thing to you, you snooty little brat. Right? We do not stand in judgment. God does. If it's sin, that's one thing. We're not talking about that. The records will be opened. And it's not financial records that God's concerned with. It's the moral records. And it's not, well, on Christmas 2022, I went and I... Help the guy out of the ditch. Woohoo! Yeah, it was the president, and I, the Lord helped me in my thing, but I, I did it, so there you go. What about the older lady? Has no money. All she has is a bag walking across the road with a shopping cart and a bag slumped over. What did you do for her? Because she can't do anything for you. You see, what will be judged is not the acts we did as much as the motives behind the acts that we did. How many understand this? That is exactly the issue because God knows the heart. We don't. That's why we can't judge and that's why He is the judge. The verdict on all of us is for God, not for us. All believers will stand before God's judgment seat. The, the word there is we shall stand. It's a technical term for standing before a judge. 
Literally, you're standing there and you are going to get grilled. How many are so excited about that? You see, we play the American game. We can show... What's it called? It's called... Um, when we do things to make people think we're good people. Virtue, yeah. The, the term is virtue signaling. How many, how many understand virtual signaling? That virtue signaling. Virtue signaling is outwardly you do everything, you do things that make you look good to everybody else. The problem is you're not faking God out one bit. We're not interested in virtue signaling Christians. Amen. That's not where God is at. We will stand before the judge and that judge pierces our very heart. Your whole heart is wide open. Your whole motivation for everything you do is wide open so God can see every detail of why you did what you did. Not just, and, and by the way, that's what he's going to be talking about in the Bible seat. It's not about sin. That's taken care of. This is about good works. And we'll see that in a little bit. This text also has a remarkable oscillation between Christ and God, which I've talked about already. If you read it, you'll see it over and over. <clears throat> when he says, uh, give thanks to God, emphasizes then the lordship of Christ, the judgment seat of God in verse 10, and then Christ later in verse, um, you'll give an account to God in verse 12. But that's beside the point. Um, I'm not we're not going to focus on all of that. We know Jesus Christ is God. Amen. And Jesus Christ is not a God. Jesus Christ is the God. And Jesus Christ is not how God goes today to know Him. This is a big deal. There's something called the oneness Pentecostalism. It's wrong, it's wicked, it's anti-Trinitarian, and it's not biblical. The oneness Pentecostalist says, listen, Jesus at this time is in the form of God. Or God is in the form of Jesus. So it's Jesus who we worship today. Listen, there will always be, there always has been God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one being. That's how it's always been. It'll always be that way. There is not a form. There is not a, he came in, in, in the, like this or like that. The reality is all three persons are real. They are universal. They are absolutely unified and disunified. Say, so how do you know that? Well, the scripture is very clear. Oneness Pentecostalism has a major problem. How many know what I'm even talking about? Here's the reality. Literally, here's where it gets bad. Literally, they have God the Father dying on the cross. Because there is no such thing. It's God in the flesh, in the form of a human being, so that's God. That's where you end up. Then you also have a problem. Who did Jesus Christ pay the penalty for? Two, I'm sorry. He paid the penalty for who? The, sin, the penalty of sin. Who did he pay it for? Us, right? Who did he pay it to? Well, if there's no God the Father because he's now Jesus the Son, then who did he pay it to? Do you want to know their answer? Jesus paid Satan off for your sin. Folks, that is a doctrine from hell. Totally wrong. Jesus owes nothing, owed nothing, is not subordinate to Satan. He subordinated himself to God the Father. Do you know why they don't like Trinity? 
Well, because the Catholics. That's their whole argument. The Catholics made that up, and therefore I hate Catholics, so I will not agree with that. Which gets us to the point we're off track here. Which gets us to the point which is so important. Reactionary theology is poor at best. Let Scripture be Scripture. Amen? Jesus Christ paid the penalty to God the Father and satisfied my debt on the cross. Amen. What a great thing. All right. So, we clearly can see that Scripture gives us a reason not to judge one another, right? What is that reason? We should not judge one another. Why? Because God's going to judge each and every one of us. We are not here to judge each other. We are here to love and encourage, uplift, and serve one another. Amen. For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. So then each of us will give an account to God Himself. None of us are qualified to be judged. Only the Lord Jesus is qualified. And all judgment has been entrusted to Him. John chapter 5, verse 22. For not even the Father judges anyone, but He has given all judgment to the... What happens if there's the same person? Do you see the problem? That's why I brought it up. Okay, you're sitting at the baptism of Jesus Christ. God the Father says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. The Holy Spirit comes down and descends on the head of Jesus. Now, he's either a very good ventriloquist, or there are three persons in one. Amen. The judgment seat of Christ involves a time in the future when believers are to give an account of themselves to Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear. Well, how many? Who's appearing? All appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So we are going to stand, each and every one of us are going to stand in front of God and will be judged on our good works, not unnecessarily what we did, but why we did them. The warning to Christians is this. This is not unbelievers. This is all Christians. As Jesus taught in His parable, the kingdom. Matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to take them at this time and turn to Luke 19. Luke 19. Verse 11. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went up to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear. <laughs> I love this. They supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Let me ask you, did it? No. That's why the term supposed is in there. So he said, A nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minus and said to them, Do business with this until I come back. But his citizens hated him. His citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom... He ordered that these slaves, to whom he had given the money, be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. They 
first appeared, saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to them, him, well done, good and slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be an authority over ten cities. The second came and said, your mina master has made five minas. He said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. Another came saying, Master, here is, my, here is your mina, which I kept away in a handkerchief. For I, have, for I was afraid of you, because you are exacting man. You take up what you do not lay down, and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, By your words I will judge you, you worthless slave. Did you know that I am an exact? Did you know? that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay and reaping what I did not know. Then why did you put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with at least some interest. Then he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him. Give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said, Master, he has ten minas already. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Anybody, does this sound familiar? To Matthew chapter 25. Very familiar. Every single person here has a job to do. Do we not? God has given us talents. He has given us gifts. He has given us the fortitude. He's given us our lives to be able to serve others. What we do with that is how God judges us. To the one that's serving like a maniac, he's going to explode it. To the one that sits there and just cowers away and sits in the the shadows of the church and does nothing, he's going to take it away. That should scare us to death. That we're not pleasing God. Back to the text. We all stand before judgment of God. And Jesus taught this very well that you are going to be judged by your works. Luke 19, Matthew 25. The judgment of seed of Christ is different from the great white throne judgment. First of all, they're called different things. Second of all, from the text, we see that it it looks like, from what we can tell by the text, the text alone, it doesn't talk about saved people in the great white throne judgment. It talks about unsaved. In the Bema Seat of Christ, it talks about the saved, not the unsaved. So it looks as if there are two, and I would agree that there are two. The issue is when. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. Because the reality is, are we serving God with the talents that we have today? Yes. Will we be given something greater maybe in the kingdom? Yes. So it absolutely could be in the tribulation time while we're in heaven with Christ. But then again, who's going to judge everything that we do during the millennial kingdom? When does that take place? Well, the believers are going to be with the Lord forever. Aren't they ever going to be judged? Those people that were born during the millennium. I have no idea. I don't know. So I can't answer that. I can tell you, if you're a believer and you love the Lord, you will be judged for your works at the Bema Seat of Christ. That's what the text says. Now, the great white throne judgment is found in Revelation chapter 20. Then I saw a great white throne and him that sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of the life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if any man, anyone's name was not written in the book of life, 
he was thrown into the lake of fire. The only issue I don't truly understand is verse 15. For some reason he asks, finds out whose name's written in the book. It's the only inkling that there could be saved people here, but it doesn't say that. Reality is, God will, Christ will judge all that have not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And therefore their name is not found written in the book of life. Appearing before the great white throne judgment are these unbelievers. Believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ does not determine our salvation. Did you all hear that? The judgment seat of Christ does not determine our salvation. That matter was settled by Christ's sacrifice on the cross. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2. And He Himself is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only but also for the whole world and our faith in him Jesus, John chapter 3 verse 16 for God so loved the world help me out that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life truly we are to be giving the gospel because we are who knows who's to be saved and who's not to be saved Give the gospel, proclaim the gospel so the whosoevers can be born again. Amen. Romans chapter 8 1. All of our sins are forgiven. The Bible says in Romans 8 1. Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, there is no hell for us. Jesus said, in John chapter 5, verse 24, verily, true, verily, verily, I say unto you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has everlasting life and will not be judged but has crossed over from death to life. We will not be judged for faith. That was already done. So believers are absolutely, positively, without question, secure in Jesus Christ. Amen to that. But they still must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It will be a time of examination and a time of reward. Jesus will inspect our works. What did we do when, in essence, what did we do with the resources God gave us? What are we doing today? How are we serving each other? I praise the Lord. We have a very sacrificial, loving church. I praise the Lord for that. There are people, I, I've had people just this week, hey, can, can, can I do this for the church? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's going to take him time. It's going to take him money, but he's going to do that. I know there's people going to some other people's houses helping them out. Whatever they can. I'm telling you, we have a loving church. I praise God for that. Don't stop now. I tell you what, if, why, if the way I understand Scripture is correct, and what I see with all of you people serving God in many different ways, the millennium is going to have a, nor, a lot of Northland guys in charge, ruling and reigning with Christ. Amen. And there'll be a lot of crowns thrown at the feet of Christ. So what did we do? We'll be charged for, for what we did with the resources God gave to us. How faithful were we? Were we yielded to the Spirit seeking to honor Christ and further His work in the world? Or is it our own getting ahead? If we're nice to somebody, they'll be nice back to us. Matthew chapter 10 talks about that. He who receives you receives me. And who who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever in the name of a disciple, gives to one of these little ones. 
even a cup of cold water to drink. Truly I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. It's not about virtue signaling. It's about people loving. Does that make sense? We did not neglect our opportunities to serve the Lord. If so, we would suffer loss of reward. Paul likens our Christian service to erecting a building in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says there, each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I, I tell you, all the I, I remember so many times sitting in a service, and here comes this guy. He went out to South Dakota, and he, he preached to all the Native Americans up there. He came in and said, thousands of people came down the aisle and got saved. Thousands of them. And, and that was this whole thing. I'm going to tell you about all the people I led to the Lord. Man, I'm a great missionary. I deserve a lot of money from you. And, and that's, anyways, I won't judge his motives. But I asked him, so what church are they going to? Uh, uh, uh. I don't know, some church out there. What? What are you doing that for? What is that? It's self-glory. I did this and I did that. We don't do anything apart from Jesus Christ. He is the one that does it. If you think you can manipulate people down the aisle and get them saved, then I don't want nothing to do with you. Nothing. It is Christ who changes the heart. This morning, we were just before, after CE hour, we were talking about false, false conversions. And isn't it interesting that after the Great Awakening comes the Revolutionary War, the utter debauchery of the country. Then the Second Great Awakening, and then total. And, and by the way, look at us now. It's gotten so bad that the government is making us, it is requiring it by law to call people names that they like and not the names they don't like. Pronouns, right? And morality is being legislated instead of loved. That's a big deal. That is a huge, you cannot legislate morality. Ask Israel. Our works subsequent to Christ's salvation are two different types, good and bad. The fire of God's scrutiny did I even read 1 Corinthians 3? I did not. I'm sorry. Let me read that first. Each one of you should build with care, for no one can lay a foundation other than, lay, than it was already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, precious stones, wood, or wood, hay, stubble, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what he has built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss and yet will be saved, even though as one escaping through the flames. Yet so as by fire is the King James Version of that. Why do we do what we do? Is that not talking about the motives behind the good works? Absolutely is. Why do you do what you do? Because you want to look good to other people. You want to look prestigious. You want to look like you're doing... Just listen. Be honest. The greatest thing we can be is honesty. Amen? whether it's to our family or to our church, whatever. Just be open and transparent. Listen, I'm a sinner just like everybody here. And probably worse. I'm a hypocrite. I do things that are wrong. I say things that are wrong. 
I am not. <laughs> By the way, this is not Confession 101, okay? So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so the McComsies are sitting here, and I want to talk about the McComsies just for a second, in a good sense. So the McComsies, I don't, did you even come to our church before you called me? Okay. They called me on the phone. Is this Pastor Graff? Uh, yeah. Hey, we're looking for a church. We want to, what do you think? But what did you call it? We want to interview you. Okay. <laughs> sure, I'll be over there. I, that met them in my entire life. I drove over to the house. It's a beautiful house. Beautiful family, fireplace, warm, just awesome. Sat down, first question. Okay, you're here for an interview. Here's the first question. What do you think the first question was? <laughs> it should have been. <laughs> first question, are you ever wrong? Okay, I'll be honest. I thought, well, what a dumb question. Of course I've been wrong. The reason we asked that question is the last guy we had interviewed said, no, he's never been wrong. Are you kidding me? Listen, fathers, we're to be leading the house, but we make mistakes. Be honest. Be honest. Problem is, we try to hide all these things, and then it's hide, hide, hide. Oh, did I tell him? Did I? And all of a sudden, you're under this huge amount of lies. What's worse? You're incapable of serving God because you're under this mountain of lies, and you don't even know what to say anymore. Our motives for what we do. Listen, we all of us need help. All of us do. All of us, and there's none of us in here who are perfect. Not a one. We all make mistakes. We all do wrong things. Don't sit there and judge all everybody else. By the way, the person that sits there and judges everybody else's bad behavior, that's the guy you want to run away from. Because he's hiding something, because he's trying to put everybody else down and put himself up. Last thing I want to do is be in front of everybody. The fire of God's scrutiny will reveal the quality of our works. As Arthur Pink says this, gold, silver, precious stone are of intrinsic value, whereas wood, hay, stubble are a natural growth. Listen, I don't take, I don't take my gold bars and warm my house with them because I don't have gold bars, <laughs> but it doesn't do anything. I do take McComsey's wood that I purchased and heat the house with it because it burns up. It heats the house. And then I go over to see what's left and there's nothing. Nothing but ashes which get thrown back into the dirt and they'll help other things grow. Rewards are distributed to those whose works withstand the test. Those whose works have a natural source <clears throat> will, if they have a natural source, they will suffer loss. Their works will be burned up, but they themselves will be saved. The judgment seat of Christ then does not confer or rescind salvation. It's about rewards, and we'll get to that very shortly. The judgment seat of Christ is also not a time to punish sin. Jesus Christ already took care of sin. Amen? I remember being a children's church guy, I, you know, I'd sit in the children's church, oh yeah, yeah, everything. Everything the children's church worker says is true, right? <laughs> you're going to stand in front of God and He's going to judge you for your sins. No, you're not. That is not true. Jesus Christ has already been judged for my sins and your sins. 
but we will stand in front of Christ and we will be judged, but we'll be judged on what we did and why we did it. That is what we will stand for, in front for. The judgment seat of Christ is a time when we will be called on to open our books, to render an account of what we did for Jesus. It will be a serious and necessary time of reckoning. But as God's redeemed, we will never be condemned with the wicked. As one theologian put it, it cannot be too strongly emphasized that the judgment is unrelated to the problem of sin, that it is more for the bestowing of rewards than the rejection of failure. In the Greek, and then this gets very interesting, in the Greek, the single word for judgment seat is the word what? Bema. It's the word bema. A bema was raised, a raised platform on which the judges sat to view athletic games. Their job was to make contestants follow the rules and to present awards to the victors. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 deals with this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? They don't have a dungeon for the loser. No, they have a pillar, a crown, a higher platform for the winner. Right? That's exactly what he's comparing it to. Everyone who completes the games exercises self-control in all things. They follow the rules. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath. But we, an imperishable, the same thing's going to happen. We're running right now. Some of us, like me, look like I need to run more. But we are all running. Every one of us are running. How many understand that? There's not a one person in here that is not running the race. Here's the deal. How are you running the race? That's what God, that's what God cares about. How are you running it? Is it self, 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 money, 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 money? I had a friend at one time. Everything is money. Everything is money. That's why I had a friend. I can't handle being around that. Money, 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 money. By the way, It is easier for a camel, what? Why? Because his whole life is about money. He has no need for the Lord. He has no need for anything. He has it all. He's a self-made man. That man is in danger of hell. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself may not be disqualified. The bema was never a place to reprimand the athletes or to punish them in any way. It was a place of testing and reward. In the same way, the bema of Christ will not be a place of condemnation and censure. It'll be a, a, a place of crowndemnation. Did you get that? Not condemnation, crown-demnation. That's what the Bema Seat's for. In anticipation of the judgment seat of Christ, we are careful in what we say and do in this life, aren't we? Not all the time. Many times our emotions get ahead of our minds. And usually the emotions are saturated and motivated in the flesh. How many understand that? I am not saying motiva uh, uh, motivation or uh, emotions are wrong. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is emotions are part of humanity, but if our emotions are not driven by the mind, they're driven by the flesh. And sometimes the mind and the flesh. We have to be careful about this. When, we, when someone flies off the handle, why, what, are, they, are they in the Lord and thinking about His good works at that moment? No. What did you do to me? Right? James gives this advice. James chapter 2, verse 12. 
speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. We want to give our account with joy on that day, and that is why we strive to serve the Lord faithfully today. The Bible speaks of believers receiving crowns for different reasons. And I don't understand all this. All I can say is, I'm, I'm, I want to be motivated because I love the Lord, not motivated because I get something. But God does show us we have crowns. 2 Timothy 2.5 Also, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not win the prize unless he competes according to the rules. So there's some kind of prize that we'll be getting. 2 Timothy, that some will be getting. 2 Timothy 4.8 In the future there is laid up for me a crown of Righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that, on that day, and not to me only, but all those who love his appearing. James 1.12, blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord promised to those who love him. By the way, remember that last week we talked about Christians live greater after they're dead. We really start living. Remember that? This is the verse that helps us understand that because it's talking about there's going to be trials and persecutions going on. You will be given the crown of life. <laughs> What's the end result of persecution many times? Death. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. Revelation 2.10, do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil, is about, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. I will tell you, I believe that that crown of life is exactly what is in, understood halfway through the tribulation. There is this huge amount of people that they're, they're in heaven all of a sudden. How many understand? It's like Revelation 6 and 7, somewhere in there. Who are these people? They are the ones that were martyred for their faith during the tribulation. Now they're given the crown of life. Spectacular. We believe that the judgment seat of Christ is when the crowns will be awarded. And this will take place in heaven soon after the rapture of the church, if it is in that time. Which, if I were to be, if someone were to hold me down to say, when is it going to happen? That's what I believe will happen. <clears throat> I believe it will happen, but I still don't know what's going to happen to all the saints in the millennial kingdom. I don't know. And I don't have the answer. And I'm not going to conjure up an answer either. Amen. <laughs> That's when uh, weird things start to happen and new uh, denominations start to spring up based on assumptions and not truth. At the very end of the Bible, Jesus said, look, I am coming soon. Folks, look, Jesus is coming soon. How many are tired of the legalists? When I see that type of snootiness, I want to run away and I just want to beat my head on a post or something. Are you kidding me? I also have a hard time with flaunting their liberty. Obviously, Paul did too. He said, listen, there's nothing wrong with meat. There's nothing wrong to eat it. Offered to idols, we know idols are nothing. But I won't take that liberty because the last thing I want to do is hurt those people that are affected by eating meat offered to idols. Folks, that's why I don't drink. That I'm not telling you it's a godly thing or non-godly. I'm not saying that. Follow me. I do not drink because I do not want to be a stumbling block to the drunkards in this church. That used to be the drunkards in my family. I don't want to be a stumbling block to them. Do I have freedom to do so, to go out? Absolutely. But I will not 
I do not want to have a millstone hung around my neck and thrown in the depths of the sea because I flaunted the liberty God gave me. And that's where, that's, that's the essence. That's why I don't drink. That's why I don't smoke. That's why I don't, I, 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 and you can go through all these other things. That's why I don't do them as a personal conviction, not as a point of reference in the church or a law that has to be followed. Amen? I, I find it so ironic. We used to go to a church that if you played cards, face cards, you would be kicked out of the church if they found out. So do you know what they did? They started having rook tournaments. I mean, face cards are bad, but rook, that's good. And we'll just invest all of our time into that. <laughs> Come on. What are you doing? Same as a person that, oh, you don't be drunk. Well, what are you eating 35 Twix bars for? What's the difference? Both are bad for you. <laughs> Reality is, these legalistic and hyper-freedom stuff, I hate messing with this stuff. I can't wait till Jesus comes. I cannot wait. And do you know what? It might be, and I think it is, it might be the first time I dance before the Lord. <laughs> not because it's sin or wrong. I'm not saying that. But it might be, because that's just where I'm at. Look, he says, Revelation chapter 22. This is, by the way, Revelation 22 is what gives me pause on time. Because this is what he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is is with me. That's why I cannot dogmatically put it tribulation or at the end of the millennium. I can't. I have an idea, but it's an idea. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Revelation 22.12 In preparation for the judgment seat of Christ, how are you building? How are you living? Are you building with gold and silver? Or are you building with wood, hay, and stubble? Which one? By the way, if you're serving other people so others will see you, you're building with wood, hay, and stubble. It will be burned. If you're giving in the offering plate, so boink, boink, ha-ha, wood, hay, stubble. I don't care if it's a billion dollars. It's wood, hay, and stubble. It's not necessarily what you do, although that plays a big part of it. The issue truly is, why are you doing it? If we serve to benefit self, we lose reward. If we serve because we love the Lord and love others, there is a reward waiting, and Christ is bringing it. Isn't that exciting? Everybody will stand before that judgment seat. Everybody. Now, some people dramatize this, the Bema seat. And I've always been taught as a young kid, well, at the Bema seat, everybody's looking at you. How many have heard this? Everybody's looking at you to see what you get. I don't know that that's true at all. This is between you and God on the motivations of work. And by the way, if they were standing there, there would be no, they would not be snarling or sneering or <laughs> like they do here. Gotcha. No, 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 no. This is between you and the Lord, and you will stand and be judged for how you lived your life. It's coming. Yeah, the unsaved are getting judged. Amen? They will get their just reward. So will Christians. They will also get their just reward. What are you doing? Why are you doing it? Matthew 25, Luke chapter 19, both are... Excellent pictures. Don't hide it. Use it.
for God's honor and God's glory. Amen? Amen. Rodney, I'm going to have you stand, if you would, please, and close us in a word of prayer tonight as we are dismissed. Have a wonderful week. Here's just a couple of things. We are having Christmas Day services. It'll be 9 o'clock will be CE hour. I didn't hear anybody tell me they weren't going to be here, so 9 o'clock CE hour. 10.15 is our Christmas program. Our Christmas program is our young people singing and a play at the same time. It's all young kids. That's who's doing it. It's, there's no adults doing anything in this, except helping the little kids. So please pray for our children because they're working on all this stuff, uh, especially the music. Um, it's very difficult. Uh, you'll be hearing some new songs. Um, but pray for our young people, and we will have services, okay? There is a Christmas Day service, and it is the Christmas program. All right? You are dismissed. Thank you.